Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So make sure you get your sermon note sheets, uh, and, and if you have a Bible or a phone, you can open up to Galatians chapter 2. Did I already say the thing? Yeah, I already said the thing about discovery. We're not doing discovery tonight. Okay, praise the Lord. So it's going to take me a few minutes to get there, because what I want to talk about, we're talking about these kingdom realities, and I, I'm not going to list the, the five realities right now um, that we've been talking about. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of review that again next week. But we've been talking, if, you, if you're new here, go back and watch the last few weeks of sermons. We've been talking about five kingdom realities, and we're kind of stuck right now on being grace-empowered and, and understanding what grace is. And, and so next week, Lord willing, we'll kick into faith and probably spend a couple weeks on faith, and surely we could spend a couple weeks on faith, doggone it, because we're faith-centered. You would think the pastor knows something about faith. You would hope at least. And so what I want to do is I just want to, I just want to kick into this thing and, and jump into it. So you don't have to look there. I've got it all in your notes for sake of time. You can go read these scriptures later. But on your notes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, at the end of his letter of 2 Peter, Peter writes this, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So circle the words grace and knowledge in that. But he says grow. So I want to talk to you this morning about growing in grace. See, it's a really it's one thing to to have grace and be awakened to grace and understand what what grace is, but you need to grow in grace. And 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 I've really in in thinking about Lord, how do you want us to grow in grace? What do you want us to do because you cannot grow grace you cannot make grace any bigger than it already is. The moment you uh, believed in Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the moment, the moment, the second, not the second you came to church, but the second that you believed Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you called upon him to be your Lord and Savior, then you received his spirit in your spirit and you receive all the grace you're ever going to get. So you cannot grow and add to the grace of God, but you can grow in the grace of God. You can, you can grow in this and, and, um, and tell, just nudge your neighbor and say, it's time for you to grow. That you can grow in God's grace. And the reason I had you circle knowledge, because knowledge is key. Uh, the, the, God, it says in Hosea that his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so when we talk about the kingdom realities, they are the realities of the king. And once we're born again, the king comes to live inside of us and his realities, his eternal, spiritual, invisible realities are now our realities. So if you want to keep it real in the kingdom, then you cannot go by what you see. You must go by what you believe. You must let the invisible, you must let the invisible realities of Christ dominate the visible realities. Well, what if it ever changes? What if they, this person is not healed or that person is not saved or this problem's not removed? It doesn't, none of that matters. The, the outcome, the outcome is left up to God. He's the one that's the judge. He's the one that decides. He's the one that has that, that level. That's his pay grade. Our, our job is to be obedient. 
Our job is to, to, to be obedient. Do what God says. Say what God says. Um, and, and just begin to trust God and be obedient in that. And, and, and not change. Not change. Because sometimes the outer reality looks exactly opposite than the, than the reality of the Word and the inner reality. And when that happens, when the outer reality is not the same as what we're believing and not the same what God says, then we're, we're not moved. We're, we're not moved. And we don't, have to, we don't have to ignore the outer reality. Listen, if you're struggling with the sickness in your body, you don't have to ignore the reality of that sickness. But what you do is you say, Lord Jesus, I believe your healer. Healing is not something you have. Healing is, some, healing is not something he has. Healing is something he is. He is the healer. And, and so, so you may be struggling with sickness and you need to be responsible. Do what the doctors say. You know, be, be responsible and stuff, but do what the Lord says too. Do what the Lord says. And, and some of y'all who say, well, I don't, believe, I don't believe God's a healer. I don't believe if God, God gives sickness. If, if you believe this, if you believe God gives sickness, I don't know where the sermon's going, but if you believe God gives sickness to teach you a lesson, then fine, believe that if you want to, but just stop going to the doctor and stop taking your medicine, and then you can really learn your lesson. He's a healer. That's what he does, and it is, it is rude to approach him any other way. And the reality of sickness that you might face does not, does not negate the reality of the invisible of who he is. He's Savior. He's Savior. How many of you believe Jesus is Savior? So are you going to let somebody who's not going to be born again make you somebody who's stubborn and rebellious and, and, and blinded and they don't want to be born again? Are, are you going to allow them to, to give a new belief, form a new belief about your Lord because of their action? Certainly not. Certainly you wouldn't let that reality blind you from his reality. So you go through a season where there's struggle or a season of famine. Are you not going to say he's my provider? You may be going through something, but you're going through it. Even Job came out the other side, blessed double. And so you need to trust the Lord in that kind of stuff. And, and, and believe the Lord because that's the knowledge of God. See, the knowledge of your pain will blind you from the knowledge of your promise. The knowledge of your circumstances will blind you and interrupt you and limit you from walking in the knowledge of God. And we're supposed to walk in the grace and knowledge of God. We're supposed to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. That's why as a believer, if you've been a believer for more than a day, you should already be growing. You should be growing in, in learning and feeding on the Word. And say, say it this time with passion. Say to another neighbor around you, it's time for you to grow up. Go ahead and tell them. So we need to, man, so you, I don't know what all y'all saying, but I just said it's time to grow up. Y'all are like going into details. It's time for you to grow up. You need to start doing this and this and this. All I said was just it's time to grow up. Y'all made it into like a whole thing. So look at your sheet. Grace is God's acceptance, ability, and assignment given freely to us through faith in Jesus Christ. I talked about that last week. Here's what I felt like the Lord was saying to me early this morning is for some of you, some of you, this is a redefinition of grace. This feels wrong. 
Some of you have been taught or you have thought grace was a certain thing, but you were limited. You didn't realize. So what God is doing is he is redefining what grace is to you. For some of you, it is a reapplication of grace. You kind of knew or already knew what grace was, but you've not been applying it. You've not been aggressively growing in it or walking in it. And this is a reapplication. You are reapplying something you already knew, but you kind of just let it drift to, to the backside of your life, and you're now reapplying His grace fresh and new in your life. And then for some of you, uh, for some of you, this is a reaffirmation. And a reaffirmation is you're like, I knew it. You've been applying it, and now He's confirming it to you. Because you were right at a point where maybe you were stepping into a, a season where you were, you were going to be tempted to maybe, or maybe you were about to be tempted to give up. You're tempted to get weary in doing well. And now this is a reaffirmation to you. And you need to keep applying. It's God confirming that you need to keep walking by grace through faith. That you need to keep understanding it's His ability. It's not my ability. God does not expect me to do anything except yield and surrender to his ability. And the only way to do that is through obedience. It's obedience to the Lord for the glory of God, motivated by the love of God. Saying, God, I want to partner with you. You're never saying, God, come partner with me. That's unbiblical. It's always, God, I'm going to partner with you. And so this grace of God, some of you it is redefining it and you're learning it and it's going to take a little bit for it to sink in. Some of you, you're, you're, it's like, man, I needed this wake-up call. I, needed to, I need to start reapplying this to my life. And then for some of you, it's that affirmation. And the ones who say, I think it's an affirmation, the thing I really sense about that is you're about to face a battle. But you don't need to be scared. You don't need to be scared. That's like Michael Reagan saying, you know, Pastor, I'm going to come get you. I ain't scared. As long as I'm up here, as soon as I get off stage, I might be a little scared because Michael's crazy. You don't want to fight crazy people. But you know what I'm saying? You can't be, you can't be, you know, um, y'all know, you all know that's right. Big muscular people, they ain't nothing. It's the crazy people. Y'all got to watch out for it. Like, Sean, I ain't worried about Sean. Sean ain't crazy. Sean's big, but he ain't crazy. Michael, he'll smile at you and then shank you before you know it. He's crazy. Crazy in love with Jesus, right? Praise the Lord. All right, let me get back to the notes. Back to the notes. Back to the notes. All right, watch this. Grace, this is all reminders. Grace always empowers truth. Grace never excuses sin. Grace always empowers truth. There is this false movement of grace saying, oh, just grace, grace, everyone's free in grace. Just do whatever. No, 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 no. Grace never excuses you to live in sin. Grace is always an empowerment for truth. And then Romans 5, we talked about the grace in which we stand, that we need to stand in this grace. It needs to be our foundation. And having done all, having done all, let us stand. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going back. Matter of fact, tell somebody else around you, I'm not going back. I'm going to stand in this grace. That's my new foundation. I have a new starting point. I have a new starting point. So even if I fall, I fall right back to here. 
I have a new starting point, and it's the grace in which we stand. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And then last week or whatever it was, 2 Timothy, about be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That means you can be weak in it. You can be weak in it. See, His grace is never weak, but you can be weak in grace. Just like, just like you can never grow His grace, but you can grow in grace. His grace is never weak, but you can be weak in grace. And here's the thing. We get weak in grace and then think God is weak. He's never weak. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's not a man that he should lie. Never let your pain redefine your God. Never let the situation that you're facing, no matter how much it hurts you, never let it redefine your God. Let your God redefine your pain. That's what grace is. That's how he can empower us. And in Acts 4, 33, man, I could, oh, I could break off this sermon right here. Acts 4, 33, read the whole chapter later. It's bad to the bone. But it says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. So the early church was walking, not in, the early church was not walking in grace. The early church was walking in great grace. So they, had, they were standing in grace, they grew in grace to become strong in grace, and then they grew more in grace to become great in grace. And some of the, some of the people in the New Testament says they were full of grace. It says that about Jesus too. And so we want to be, so the, the early church was walking in this great grace. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine, imagine what our maturity level, what, if our maturity level was great in the greatness of God's grace. Now think about this. God's grace is great. God's grace is, is un, it's, it's hard to define it. Amazing grace. God's grace is great, but if our maturity level was great in the great grace of God. See, your maturity level determines your ability to receive and release the thing that you're talking about. So grace, the thing that we're talking about, is so powerful and so strong. It is, it is the favor of God in your life, the acceptance of God in your life. We, we talked about God comes down to your sin and He meets you in the, in the horridness of your sin. He meets you in that drug addiction. He meets you in that sexuality confusion. He meets you in your distorted, broken relationships. He meets you in your sin. He meets you in your valley. He meets you in your, in your tomb. And then what He does, He loves you. He loves you right there. And when He, he he comes and finds you by His grace. He begins to empower you and lead you. He loves you where you are, but He leads you to a place where now you can stand in grace. And now that you're standing in grace, He wants to keep leading you because there's more. And the more is now i got to start growing in grace. Like, what would my life look like if I grew in grace? What would my family look like if I grew in grace? What would my business look like if I grew in grace? What, what, could, what would generations look like if we grew in grace? What would the empowerment of the, of, 
What would God's empowerment through his people look like if we could walk in great grace? Imagine the early church. There was great grace, and then, and then the enemy comes in with great persecution. Walking in great grace will invite great persecution. But you don't need to stumble. You don't need to fumble. You don't need to retreat. Because you can, you can, in that God gap that Jamie was talking about, when things are hard and things are painful and you're going through that, that trouble and that trial and whatever, having done all, you stand. And great grace is, I don't change my report. I don't change my confession. His praise is continually in my mouth. So my body, there may be sickness all in my body, but I'm going to say he's my healer. Now, I can't claim he's my healer. Y'all going to get mad at me for this. I cannot claim he's my healer and going around. I'm going to just hit everybody for a second. Go around and keep smoking. I can't claim he's my healer and keep eating all the sugar that I want. I can't claim he's my healer and go to pizza in buffet twice in a day. Once, praise the Lord. <laughs> twice you in sin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't just keep doing what you want to do and then expecting, you know, God's grace to just, you know, cover your ignorance. God's grace empowers your obedience. That's what God's grace does. And so we need to align our life up with him and begin to, to walk in this thing. And then could you just imagine, get a vision of great grace and not just one or two of us walking in great grace, but now we have a people that are maturing in the Lord. We're scripture fed, we're spirit led, we're motivated by love and, and we're walking in, we're grace empowered, walking in a great grace. You know how our city would change by a fresh receiving and releasing of the grace of God? Be life-changing. Be life-changing. And so if you turn over on your sermon notes, uh, the scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, many people debate the scripture. I'm not even going to read it. You can go read it to your own, but there is a thorn. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and some, everyone argues, what's the thorn in the flesh? And in my opinion, it really doesn't matter. I have my opinion about what it is, but it really doesn't matter. We know, we know the intention. The Bible says it was a messenger from Satan. Has Satan ever tried to send you a message? So we, <laughs> so, so we know, we know that we know that Satan is trying to send a message. And so we know he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy, and, the, and he's using the thorn in the flesh to send a message. And here's what you got to understand. Here's what you have to understand. That God and Satan both can use these things. Every Every temptation that the enemy uses to send you a message, God can flip that temptation into a test to bring promotion into your life. Because God doesn't test you to fail you, he tests you to promote you. And so every, every temptation or trial that the enemy sends into your life, God can flip it into a test to be the testing of your faith. But every testing of faith that God gives us, the enemy can turn it into a temptation and a trial. So what does that mean? The same circumstances, the same circumstances, the enemy could be speaking a message and God could be speaking a message. That's why you need to know how to hear the voice of the Lord. 
So in the thorn of the flesh, the enemy, he was sending a message, a messenger of Satan. And Paul prayed three different times that this would be removed. And God's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so a lot of people say, see, God didn't answer his prayer. What are you talking about? Yes, he did. He said, I've already given you what you need before the trial ever started. I already answered your prayer before you prayed it. You have what you need. You have what you need. It's called the all-sufficiency of God's grace. So there's no, listen to me, there's no circumstance you could go through, there's no battle or attack from the enemy you, you could go through that would disengage you from the grace of God, meaning that would disengage you, make you powerless in God's favor and acceptance, in God's ability in your life, and God's assignment for your life. There's nothing that you will face that has the power to remove God's acceptance in your life, God's ability in your life, and God's assignment over your life unless you give it. So what, Paul, what God is saying is, my grace is sufficient for you. You have what you need. And that when you look up the word, that definition, it means to be, the word sufficient means to be possessed by an unfailing strength. It means to assist in raising up a barrier or a shield, like a shield of faith. It means to lift, remove, or take away, and it means enough to meet the need. So what God is saying, my grace is going to be your unfailing strength. My grace is my assistance in raising up a barrier or a shield. My grace will lift, remove, or take away that message, and my grace is enough to meet your need. So when people say God didn't answer his prayer and we just, need to, we just need to grin and bear it, no, 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 that's not what's happening. God's saying, I have given you what you need. So when you're in your gap, when you're in your gap and you're struggling, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. So I'm just going to praise him. And even if, there, even if you can't run with it and you can't walk with it, you stand. You stand. God, I thank you that you're my healer. God, I thank you that you're my provider. God, I thank you for salvation over my family. God, I thank you to declare the promise of God over your life. And don't say what you see. Say what you believe. Declare the word of the Lord over your life. God, your grace is sufficient. Don't believe the message that the enemy is sending. Believe the message of the Lord. And the message of the Lord is that be knowledgeable about the grace that is in Christ Jesus so you can stand in grace, be strong in grace, and operate in the Wi-Fi of great grace even in your valley. And to God be the glory. And then like Jamie said, they'll look at you in that time and say, man, only God could do that. You'd be like, yeah, I know. I know. You know, one of the problems with the American church and really with our nation, and I'm, this would go to a whole other sermon right here. Lord, you know, don't be saying preach. Y'all need to pray for your pastor. You might be encouraging stupidity now if you know it. Um, Lord Jesus. Let me say it this way. It's easy for us American Christians who are churched to be 
asleep in our comfort. And any success, it's, we've, we've kind of brought down the level to where it's, it's, it's based on a level of what we can do. And we give God glory for it, but we can do it. And great grace up here is we're living in a reality where all of us know and our norm, the, the new norm is not going back to the way things were and just coming back to our comfort. See, that's what some of us are wanting when we talk about change. And let's just, since COVID hit and all this stuff and all the blah, 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 blah is going on, we just, want to, we just want back to where we were. Maybe you're not supposed to be where you were. Maybe God's inviting you even through the enemy attacking and even through confusion, maybe through all that you need to hear his voice and do what he says, say what he says, and he'll, he'll begin to lead you. So they say, you know, we're in a recession. Well, that never has to be true for the people of God. Never has to be true for the people of God. Because your government, your government that you're a part of is not of this world. It's the government, it's the, the, the increase of the peace of his, and his government will have no end. And we need to believe that and understand that and need to be faithful in this government. And there's things we need to do to make stands in, in this government. But guys, I'm telling you, some of y'all, you better be careful. You, some of y'all give your passion and your life to the American government and the government of the United States fighting for what you believe, but you don't give jack squat to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So Romans 6.14. Told you it's going to take me a while to get to Galatians 2. Romans 6.14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. So sin and darkness and Satan shall not have authority and dominion over you. Why? Because you are no longer under the law, you are under grace. Now, I don't have time to break this down. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. But positionally, conditionally, you are no longer under the law. Every person who has never given their life to Jesus, who is not born again, is under the law. The jurisdiction, the authority, the realm, they are under the law. They're under, and, and the law, the law is two sides to it. The law is righteous, the law is good, and the law is truth. And the law defines the righteousness of God, but at the same time shows that we are not righteous. And, and so let's just, let's just go to Galatians 2. Let's just go there. Let's just read it. It'll say it better than I can say it. Galatians chapter 2. And everybody said, finally. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Galatians 2, verse 16. When you got it, say got it. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. That means me working to, to keep the law. Me trying to demonstrate through performance. Me trying to demonstrate through my effort. Me trying to demonstrate that I can keep the law. That I can be righteous. I can do this. I can change my life. I can fix my life. I can, I can do better this time. I'll work harder this time. I really mean it this time. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to cuss less, drink less. Do I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a new routine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm going to change this time. You can't. And so when you try to justify yourself by the works of the law, that's what he's talking about. 
knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified uh, by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What he's saying is, now that I've been set free from the law, if I go back under the law, if I go, now that I'm under grace, I'm not under the law. So now if I go back under the law, meaning I try to do it by performance, I, I make myself, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocrite and I'm going back and making myself a transgressor. Because the only way to come, the only way for the law to be fulfilled, Jesus is the only one who fulfilled the law. And you either put faith in him, and if you put faith in him, then his victory and fulfillment in the law is now your victory, victory, and, and you are now justified by grace through faith in Jesus. His righteous reality is your righteous reality. And so look at this, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. Watch, watch this. Woo, I love this. Verse 18 again. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died. Everybody say died. To the law that I might live to God. That is a powerful verse. What he's saying is through the jurisdiction of the law, I died, but through the resurrection of God. See, Jesus was buried under the jurisdiction of the law, but he was raised under the jurisdiction of grace. Mm. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in this body, in this flesh, I live by faith. You see, it gets back to Christ. It gets back to this point of Christ in me. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. See, I'm crucified under the jurisdiction of the law. There's nothing else the law can do. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And it comes to the sentencing. And at the time of sentencing, what happens is Jesus died my death. So he paid my price, but I'm guilty. So I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with him. And so the result is I'm dead. I no longer live. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm dead. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But then through the, re the jurisdiction of grace and the resurrection of God, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body, like, like this, this body, this body that I used to, for me, this body that used to literally smoke crack. Some of y'all can't see that Pastor John having that little uh, copper pipe lighting up and smoking crack. Some of y'all are like, Pastor John. I didn't say I did it last night. I said I did it a long time ago. And used to do a lot of other stuff. So this body, Jesus, Jesus through his grace can resurrect this body. What have you done with your body? 
this body, he can redeem it. You've been walking in purity, pornography, sexual confusion. He can redeem this body. This body. That I will walk by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He didn't give me a rule book. He didn't give me a church to attend. He didn't give me a bunch of things to go do. You know what he gave me? He gave me himself, his righteousness, his peace, his joy, his acceptance, his ability, his assignment. That's what he gave me himself. So the next time you face temptation, think, oh, I can't. I just, oh, I can't. You need to stand in grace. You need to stand in grace and be like, is Christ victorious or not? See, that that you... Is Christ victorious? Yes. Will you allow him to be victorious in your life or not? I don't know. We'll see. His victory can be your victory by faith. And then look over in Titus real quick. And then worship team, y'all can come up. Come up. Go to Titus real quick. Titus is after Timothy. Y'all good? I love how Rick Lindenny used to say, a long-winded preacher in a, in a hostage situation, there's not much difference. Second, or I mean, Titus chapter 2, look at this for grace. Look at this for grace. I just got to get this out. Look at this for grace. For the grace of God, verse 11, Titus 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Okay, teaching us, meaning the grace is teaching us. Here's what the grace of God is teaching us. What does the grace of God teach us? That denying ungodly and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. See, in Galatians 2, I didn't read down through there, just trying to rush it a little bit. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. See, some of us have kind of set it aside. I can do this now. I'm at a point where I can live the Christian. No, you can't. Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God to go back under the performance-based functionality of working out the law. No, I failed at that. I'm guilty. But I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ now, the King, lives inside of me. His reality is now my reality. And so while in this body, I will walk, live by faith in the Son of God who gave me himself. That's, see, I'm not setting aside the grace of God. I'm standing in it. And what is the grace teaching me? That because of who he's made me to be, I have the authority and the power to deny ungodly, deny, just to deny it. Like Zach Griffin would come play basketball with us and he goes in trying to shoot the ball. He's about that high. He comes in and shooting the ball. And you know what happens? Deny. <laughs> deny. And then, and then, and then we'll watch this. We were playing in Noble Park one day, and Zach, here's Zach right here. Zach right here. So you see the height. There's this little, like, 10-year-old kid that comes to play with us. You remember this, JP? This little 10-year-old kid comes to play, and he's all thinking he's awesome, and he comes down, and Zach's been being denied all day long. Not just denied, but denied all day long. All day long, in Jesus' name. And, 
And so this little kid comes in. He's trying to show out. He comes in, and everyone's kind of letting him go through. And he comes in to shoot this layup, and Zach jumps up. Boof! And I ain't even lying. Standing over him like, what, dog? What? What? Not in this house. And we're all like, Zach! Zach! He's 10! <laughs> so you need... <laughs> You need to, <laughs> you're welcome. You need to, you need to deny, deny the, the ungodly. I just had this image in my mind. The ungodly and unworldly. And then you walk in this righteousness. You live soberly. Some of you say, I can't live sober. I can't. That's a lie. That is a lie. I realize your body and the chemicals in your brain. I realize the triggers and the temptations in your history. I realize all of that. But what you need to realize is the power of the grace of God and the power of Christ in you. That you can deny that and say no to that. Is it a battle? Yes. It is a battle. But the way you walk in victory is to stand in the grace of God. And that's why the last verse says on your notes there that we can come boldly. We don't just come. We come boldly. You need to come. You need to come to the throne of grace. Grace is so powerful it sits on a throne. And we need to be people that live under the influence of grace, under the influence of the throne. That His grace reigns over my struggle. His grace reigns over my pain. His grace reigns over my circumstance and problem, over whatever season of suffering, persecution, or famine I might be in. His grace reigns over that. And it will bow its knee to the grace of God who sits upon the throne. And so you need to remember that you can come boldly to the throne of grace so you can find mercy which covers your failure and then grace which empowers you to live in your time of need. So I want the prayer team to come on up and this is what I'd like to do. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.